do y'all feel that? Do you feel the ancestors rising up and giving you the power? Power of the ancestors is alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy, Will Casimir, aka King Cooper Killer Cast Paper Sexia, aka the hot liquor sipper. Yo, we have another fantastic episode of Coke Radio Podcast hitting your ear hole this evening, this week, this weekend, next week, whenever. Wherever you listen to this podcast, I am so grateful that you decided to give us another shot. Decide to tune in another week. It is the beginning of Black History Month here in America. Here, during this time in America, we like to celebrate the people that have come before us, the people who have made this place a better world, who left a mark on our lives and continue to give us energy to this present day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Man, we're hitting y'all up with some of that fresh goodness. Shout out. Shout out to Bernard, the great one, but that's the best producer there is out there in the land. And yo, this week on Coke Radio Podcast, we're talking about the struggle. It's going to be a hard-hitting episode, man, especially for Black History Month, man, because we have been conditioned to believe struggling is a part of life, a part of our life, a part of our legacy. And we want to know, yo, should we continue to pass on that legacy? Should we continue to glorify the struggle? Lord! (laughs) Y'all going to find out before the end of the show, I can guarantee you that much absolutely guarantee you that much man so let's go ahead and get into the shout outs man because i want to go ahead and get this episode going so before i even get into the shout outs you all spoke with your plays and i guess y'all really weren't feeling uh last week's episode man i know um the 2000s weren't the best year for a lot of people and i see that a lot of the people that tuned out tuned in to the previous week didn't tune in um to the following week so i know that's probably not my strong suit when it comes to the podcast man so i'm always learning and trying to evolve so the people who tuned in this week hail from oakland california brooklyn new york richardson texas graham texas los angeles california frankfurt germany charleston missouri brussels belgium new york new york fairburn georgia friday harbor washington hyattsville maryland garner north carolina Genova, Italy, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Powder Springs, Georgia, Ashburn, Virginia, Fort Mitchell, Alabama, Douglas, Georgia, Decatur, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Lithonia, Georgia, and Morrow, Georgia. Now, we had half the listeners from uh, the previous week to the following week. And so I know to do better. I know to bring y'all a better episode next time, man. So I will definitely, definitely do that. So let's go ahead and uh, cover some of the things that are big. I mean, because this is the start of Black History Month. So I wanted to cover some black news or some African-American news uh, that that really just, you know, it, it started the month. And we had a, a wild ass start to February which is Black History Month. So the the first kind of thing that that started our month was 
there were several bomb threats that were called in to historically black colleges. You heard that right. There were people calling in bomb threats to historically black colleges. There were 14 colleges. 14. I'm just going to, if you don't know what an HBCU is, I'll go ahead and tell you a few. So there were bomb threats called in to Spelman College, Fort Valley University, Albany State, Edwards Waters University, Bethune-Cookman, Xavier, Jackson State, Southern University and AMG College, Alcorn State, Mississippi Valley State University, Kentucky State, Russ College, Howard University, University of the District of Columbia. People, several individuals have been named persons of interest. They affiliated themselves with a neo-Nazi group. Um, I'm not going to give that group any shine. Just know it was a neo-Nazi group that was taking responsibilities for these calls. The FBI is on the matter. I hope these motherfuckers are buried underneath the fucking jail. Like, how the fuck did you start off Black History Month with calling historically black colleges and universities? That shit was absolutely premeditated. They didn't do the shit in January. They didn't do the shit in March. They didn't do the shit in December. They decided to wait until the first day of Black History Month to call in bomb threats. And they shut down these uh, universities, as they should have. Classes were postponed. People were evacuated because we don't want to take any chances. You know, we want to mitigate the risks associated with assholes like this calling in bomb threats, man. We need the Black Panthers, man. We, let's go, yo. We, we need some goons. We need some goons, man. Fuck the FBI, man. I know the FBI are going to do their due diligence, but we need some goons, man. Because these people think they just have the right to do this shit. Freedom of speech. No. That's fucking hate, man. You hate black people for being black. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? They hate black people for being black. Being different. Being beautiful. You know what I'm saying? This is higher education, higher learning institutions where people are trying to make themselves a better person. They ain't doing this shit in the hood. They ain't calling the trap houses like, yo, we finna blow the we finna blow the bando up. No. They're calling into places where people are trying to make themselves a better them. Wow, right? Absolutely insane. And the other major black story that spearheaded uh, the start of Black History Month is Brian Flores, former coach or former head coach of the Miami Dolphins fouling a suit against the NFL and three NFL teams. Miami Dolphins, uh, Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants for unfair hiring practice for discrimination. And I absolutely see that this has some legs to stand on. He said the Miami, the owner of the Miami Dolphins offered him $100,000 for every game he lost to improve their draft stock. Now, let's not even consider that just because you have the best draft pick does not mean your team will become better. 
That doesn't mean the chances of your team becoming better because we've seen in the past where the number one pick, the number two pick, number three pick does shit. It's a draft bust. What's the odds of your pick in the draft becoming the next big thing? It happens, but it doesn't, it, it, it fails more so than it succeeds. He said he got a text from Bill Belichick congratulating him on a job that he ha- he had not, he hadn't even interviewed for yet. Hear that shit again. He got a text, a wrong text, because he meant to text someone named Brian Dable, a white head coach or a white coach. When his name is Brian Flores, he texts the wrong Brian. He knew that the white coach had already gotten the job before he had interviewed for the job, ladies and gentlemen. He said he went to an interview with the Denver Broncos. They showed up to the meeting or the interview an hour late, drunk and hungover from the previous night. You can't get a fair shake like that. And now you have other coaches coming out and corroborating his story. Hugh Jackson, namely, saying the Cleveland Browns offered to pay him not $100,000, you know, thousands of dollars to take. This goes against everything the league stands for. My brother says that the league is fixed. Now I believe him. If you have owners paying their coaches to tank games because what people don't realize is there's so much money involved in football other than motherfuckers playing on the field Vegas people just don't bet on wins and losses they bet on the number lines they bet on the amount of passing yards receiving yards rushing yards you always have to wonder to yourself man there's a team that couldn't make it past the 50-yard line for three and a half quarters, and all of a sudden, at the end of the game, they can go down the the length of the field and score a field goal? For what? You're down by 30 points. Why the fuck do you need to go down and score a field goal? That's the money line, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, man. And I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist, man, but this shit has to scream rigged. There are owners out there tanking games for whatever reason. If you're an owner, why would you want to lose a game? You would think the value of your team is predicated on the amount of good publicity, the amount of people that wants to come to your games, and the amount of people that want to watch your games. If you're losing, no one wants to support a losing franchise. Y'all, I'm making too much sense tonight. Lord, they're going to lock me up. The FBI are going to break down. They're going to shut it down. Shut my whole podcast down. If y'all don't hear from me tomorrow, y'all already know what happened. They came for me. <laughs> they came for killer. They came for the hot liquor sipper. It's too much hot liquor. I'm spilling all the hot liquor tonight, man. And so he's filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL, hoping that there will be other coaches, other people around the league that will join this class action lawsuit against the NFL. This 
is a death sentence for Brian Flores. Figuratively speaking, he will probably never coach in the NFL again. Like Colin Kaepernick. Once Colin Kaepernick decided he was going to sue the NFL for blackballing him from joining a team, he never played again. What the NFL is going to do so that the, the records won't become public, they'll give him a few million dollars and, and tell him to go away. You can't say how much we gave you. You can no longer talk about this. Go away. I'm calling it here. February 3rd, 2022. There will be a settlement, a large settlement, that, which will be sealed by a judge we will never hear about. We'll never see the light of day. Black History Month has <laughs> started like that with bomb threats to black colleges and coaches saying they are discriminating against me. There's only one head coach in the NFL presently. There were seven NFL coaching vacancies. Four have been filled by white coaches. So there's still one lone black head coach in the NFL. And one job, one job, the Vikings job, has already been slated for a coach who's coaching in the Super Bowl, an assistant coach an offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. How do you get a job that you can't interview for because you're in the Super Bowl? How do you already have that job? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Absolutely insane. So let's go ahead and get to our featured, our featured discussion this evening, uh, the struggle. As black people, man, we have to live with the struggle. We start in poverty and we have to build our way out of poverty. That's our story, ladies and gentlemen. It's struggling. I struggled to pay the bills and I did X, Y, and Z and I made my way up out of the hood. That's our struggle. An interesting story uh, is today. I was riding on E. Now, I had to meet a client uh, in North Atlanta. Um, if you don't know, uh, Cobra Command Base is out of Atlanta. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm doing a podcast today on struggling. I don't struggle. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty secure in my financial situation. And I'm riding on E. I have an Audi Q5 and I'm riding on E. I have the money. I can easily go put money in my car. But I've been so conditioned to ride that motherfucker out. How many of you all ride your car until the gas light come on? <laughs> it's like, yo, I'm a, I can make it. I can make it. <laughs> it's $74 to fill up my car. I, 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 I did put gas in my car before I went to my appointment. But the fact that I let it ride on out. Until that bitch said zero miles until this bitch ain't gonna move no more. And I'm thinking to myself, man, like, why do I do that? Like, why not, you know, ride until it's about half and then fill it up then? Because you actually do more damage 
to your car if you let it go all the way down. You mess up your fuel, your fuel injector, which is why a lot of black people always have issues with their fuel injector. Cause they, we ride that motherfucker until the wheels fall off, man. And it's pertinent. Because I, I don't hear a lot of other people like saying like, yo, I just ride that. I just ride it all the way down to the gas. Like, come on. Because that lets me know I need to put gas in my car. And I think that's, that's indicative of our struggle. Is that we allow ourselves to penny pitch in places that we don't have to. Because we've been conditioned to do that. And we shouldn't have to do that. It's just what we do. Think about this. 35% of our people, black people, live in poverty compared to 13% for whites. 35, a third of our people live in poverty. And we're not talking about working poverty where, you know, we work, we get by, and we do our thing. Poverty, people who live below the poverty line, which is about $33,000 a year. Like, why is that the case? What is it about black culture that prevents black people from escaping poverty? Is there something about our culture that prevents us from doing that? No, real shit. Ask ask yourself that question. One of the answers could be generational wealth. We don't have millions of dollars to pass on to our kids because we don't have the resources. We don't have to, the means to build coffers. Like we work till we die and we pass on debt. We don't pass on land. We have to go fund for our people to be buried. Like we have to realign our thinking in the black community. And I see a lot of that going on. I see our people going to college. I see our people starting businesses, starting hustles, investing in passive income. That shit is a lovely fucking sight. Because at some point we can't keep passing down this mentality that it's okay to struggle. My parents struggled. There was a point where I struggled. And yes, struggling is a part of life. Not everyone will become millionaires and trillionaires and billionaires. But in that same breath, not everybody can become rappers and athletes. That shit shit isn't even a dime a dozen. It's like a dime and a fucking million. But that's what we tell our kids to do. We want them to be athletes. We want them to be musicians. Why not introduce our kids to the tech life? To be entrepreneurs. And I know we can't always steer our kids towards universities, but maybe a trade. There is tons of money in being a carpenter. It is a lost art. Being able to build something of your own, it's lovely. And you can pass that down to your kids. 
because we are the people of oppression. We've been oppressed our entire history. But in that oppression, we have made ways. We have invented ways to survive, which is a lovely thing. And I, and I kind of want to touch on glorifying the struggle. Like we tell our friends, yo, man, I used to eat mayo sandwiches. Or, you know, I, I had to raise my brother and sister because my parents work all the fucking time. And it's become our way. It's become the American way to live in poverty and to earn and work our way to a different class. You know, starting in poverty, going up to working poverty, being middle class. But think about this, man. There is no joy. There is no American joy. There is no American culture without black joy, without black struggle, because that is the form of our civilization. When you hear our music, it's talking about our struggle. When you see these athletes, when you see politicians like Barack Obama rise up in spite of everything that they've went through, there is no American culture without black joy, but there is no black joy without black pain. Because we have to resist American racism and American exploitation. There is no America without the black struggle. Think about baseball, Jackie Robinson, Hank Aaron, breaking the color barrier. Motherfuckers celebrate that shit all the time. Like, look, look at what we did. We allowed a black man to achieve greatness in a, in a sport that was only meant for white people. Look, we, we elected the first black president. We're not racist. The black struggle created so much of America that now people want to roll back. They want to roll back those achievements. They want to say, yo, we can't teach oppression in our schools, critical race theory. We don't want to we don't want to show you all what we did to your ancestors and to your fathers and forefathers and foremothers. We don't want to show you all that, man. We want you to think it was a cakewalk. We want you to think that there was no racism. There was no murder. There was no Jim Crow. All of that is made up. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about how our black fathers and black mothers were ran down by dogs. People were murdered for winking at white women. I know this is a heavy topic, man, but we need to discuss these things on Black History Month. Matter of fact, we need to discuss these things every month. They need to be in our textbooks. They need to be everywhere. Because I'm going to say this again. There is no American joy. There is no American culture without black joy. But without black joy, there is... There is nothing. We sit on the plane of blood. That was shit, y'all. That's the struggle. And so I'm okay with people glorifying the struggle. 
But what I am not okay with is continuing to pass that struggle down. We have to learn from our history so we do not repeat it. Learn from our history so we do not repeat it. Excuse me. And that's what we are going to do. Because this is a revolution, baby. Cobra Nation, you are the people of the revolution. Whether you white, black, Hispanic, Asian, European, Australian, New Zealand, you from Antarctica, this is your mission. It's to no longer pass down the struggle. Uplift and teach one another what to do. So we can combat racism and exploitation because we are not just athletes and rappers. We are engineers, doctors, lawyers, politicians even, podcasters. You know what I'm saying? We are everything and anything that we want to be. That's a fucking gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Cobra Nation, that is the word. We are anything we put our minds to. And if we analyze the situation, we are more than the struggle. Absolutely more than the struggle. And that's the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, that's a word. That's, that is a word. Cobra Nation, I'm so glad you all decided to tune in again. But before we go ahead and close this thing out, man, I want you all to be aware that next week, next week we start the very first sip session. I got a special guest lined up. Our first interview here at Cobra Radio Podcast. I don't want to tell y'all who it is just yet, man. Very special guest. (laughs) Sip Sessions, our first interview. I am so excited. I hope you all are so excited. We already have three people lined up in the coming months to sit down with Cobra Radio Podcast and talk shit. We're going to sip a little liquor. We're going to talk a little shiznit. And we're going to have a good time, man. We're going to take this podcast to another height. And I'm so glad that you all decided to get in at the basement, out of the mud. Because starting this podcast wasn't easy. But you all have made it such a pleasure to continue to run it. To continue to put my own money into the podcast, man. So you all have something that you can enjoy every week. And it's always been my pleasure because I would never ask for a donation. Because it's not you all's responsibility to make this thing run. It is my responsibility because it's therapy for me to give you all the sweetness. And also, shout out to the perfect team once again. Damn. Dope ass track. (laughs) Yo. So, next week, our very first sip session, we're going to be drinking some bourbon, some whiskey. Man, we may even bring out the scotch, the mezcal. But yeah, we got a, a very special episode lined up for you all next week. And I can't wait to bring that to you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Cope Radio Podcast. Happy Black History Month. Every day is a beautiful day when you're black, baby. <laughs> Every day is a beautiful day when you're black. So I will see you all next week. I look forward to giving you all the real. (laughs) I'll let y'all next week. Peace.